Hi, welcome back to Eye to Eye, a weekly podcast talk show about passion, flow, and creativity, a place where we find ourselves in each other's stories. I'm your host, Aaron Holman, and our guest today is... Starla Carr. Starla, I'm happy you were able to be with us today. I'm excited to be here. Well, welcome to the podcast, uh, Miss Starla Carr. How are you doing today? Yes. I'm doing fabulous, fabulous. Well, thank you so much uh, for joining us for a bonus episode of Eye to Eye this week. I am so appreciative of you being here. Thank you. You are an author, a minister, mm-hmm. a mm-hmm. lesbian, and a mm-hmm. human. Yeah. Tell us more. Uh, where <laughs> are you from? Oh, right now I reside in the wonderful state of Kansas, mm-hmm. which I like to call, uh, yeah, Backwood. <laughs> I'm, in, I'm in Leavenworth, Kansas and not the prison. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hey, yeah. that is a big difference. Yes, it is. <laughs> I actually, I grew up in Louisiana, central Louisiana. Okay. Oh, and I so, oh, I do as well. But mm-hmm. when you mentioned backwoods, I was like, yeah. I'm very familiar with those roads. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so you're an author. Can you tell mm-hmm. us about what you've written? Yes. I know, you, I know you have a new book that's recently come out, but uh, wherever you'd like right. to start. Yeah. So um, my writing journey started in, oh my goodness, I'm old now. Oh, <laughs> back in the day. Picture it, Sicily. No. Um I, I, <laughs> I started, I think it's been 15 years ago, and mm-hmm. I wrote this little book called Privileged Conversations, mm-hmm. because with that lovely list that she listed, I'm also a barber, cosmetologist. Um, I went to school to be a funeral director in Balmer. Like, I, I'm like a renaissance woman. I do a lot of stuff. I'm a super yeah. nerd. And I, I've always loved writing. And my friends kept telling me, write a book, write a book. And I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to write a book. So I did. <laughs> That's amazing. So was that your first book, the one you just mentioned? Yes. And it is awful. I will uh, fully admit that. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know anything. Like, I was so green. But, I mean, it's a thing. Like, if you were to Google it, you could totally find it today. Um, but that journey really led me and gave me like, I got bitten by the writing bug. And Mm -hmm. so I was like, Oh, I'm going to, I'm just going to write. I'm going to be a best-selling author. That's my, you know, ultimate peak goal. So I kept writing. And now, um, as of two weeks ago, I published my fifth book. Um, but I'll tell you later, but my writing journey has led me to help other people publish books. So while I have five books, I am so honored to be a part of other people's process. And I have helped 14 books become um, published in the past few years. I am blown away. (laughs) That is, that is amazing. You really do do everything. Yeah, I do a lot of stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So one of the fascinating things and the reason that I contacted you about coming on the show today, I Mm -hmm. saw your most recent book was Uh released and it is called Embalmed, 
True stories yes. about preservation from a former embalmer. Yes. Now you're you're a former embalmer. Yeah, actually, yeah, I sure am. Um, Fascinating. It is for me. I don't know how other people. <laughs> I don't know, but um, yeah, you'd be surprised how funny morticians are, and I do consider myself a mortician. Um, I have the degree, like I went to school, I did my internship, and then the, the, the ism started to get me, because mm. what your listeners don't know, but hopefully they'll get to know me, is that I am a break barriers kind of gal. Like, if it's a racism barrier, I'm busting through that. If it's an LGBT barrier, I'm busting through that. So I started school with all the umph and vigor of like, I, everybody told me I couldn't do it. They're like, oh, it's a male-dominated field, and they were like, you know, you're a woman, you won't make it, and then, you know, you're lesbian, you know how people are, yep. and I was like, no, I'm totally going to do it, I'm totally going to do it, and, and you, I'm one of those people, too, that's like, if you tell me not to do something, that's exactly what I'm going to do. <laughs> yeah, people are real quick to tell you what you're not able to do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The easiest way to shut them up is do it. Do it. Mm -hmm. So um, the lessons that I learned through my process is what embalmed the book embalmed is about. So um, there's it'd be surprising because when you look at the book, which I think is absolutely beautiful, like it's mm -hmm. one of those coffee table books, like you said it there and people are like, ooh, what's that? Mm -hmm. um, the book is short stories about true things that happened to me on my journey to becoming a mortician. And it's very gay. <laughs> it's, it's really That's gay. That's perfect. Um, my favorite, and from my readers, their favorite, is a story um, about um, a man named John that I met in a gay bar years ago. Mm -hmm. And it was a pivotal change in my life. And I think people don't always, especially in our community, they don't understand that grief comes in all kinds of shades and flavors and it looks yeah. different on different people and we grieve all the time but sometimes we don't recognize that it's grief mm. so while the stories are true and there are things and tidbits of what it was like for me as an embalmer the biggest lessons that i hope people take away from reading this beautiful book is that we have to learn how to grieve beautifully we have to embrace things that sometimes scare us and make mm -hmm. us challenged. And that's exactly what I did. Yeah. And, and then the isms got me and nobody would give me a job, even though I am an extremely capable and talented embalmer. Mm -hmm. um, I fought for years to get a job and, eh, you know, so. What were some of the isms that you had to face in that path? Well, okay. If you so, don't mind talking about No, absolutely. I'm an open book. I will tell you anything you ask me. <laughs> <laughs> the first ism that I had was I was one of two students in the college taking this class. Um, mm. Out of the whole mortuary science department, there were um, probably 150 students and there were two women. And that I was told, yeah. Yes. And I was told, like I said, I did my research before going to college, and they were like, you know, it's really hard for women. 
And I was like, what's so hard about it? I mean, the, not trying to be morbid, but they're dead, honey. Like, you know, mm-hmm. I what are they going to, what? So Yeah, they're not going to talk like, back. Right? <laughs> they don't. They're very gracious. Um, so <laughs> I kept going and I was just like, eh, you know. And then when I got to the portion of education where I had to find a funeral home to mentor me, because part of your education is one year working in a funeral home. And I, I started interviewing pit places and it was like, oh, well, I'll give you this experience. This is, this is really terrible. I went to a local funeral home that is a white owned funeral home and they had advertised that they were looking for a student. I showed up well-dressed, immaculate, darling. And Mm -hmm. I mean, with my beautiful resume. And when I walked in, the man looked at me and I handed him my resume. And with two fingers, he pushed it across the desk back at me, never even looked at it. And he said, and I will never forget these words. He said, the only black people that work here wash the limos and cut the grass. No, 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 no. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> so I said, well, I'm not here to do either, but I think you're missing a valuable opportunity by hiring me. And he goes, well, I just don't think you'd be comfortable here. You know, we don't have a problem with black people. We, you know, we do funeral services for black people, but I just don't think it'd be a good fit for you. You're not and good the- enough to handle dead bodies when you right. have become educated in this. Yeah. And like I said, I have to, this today is my 20, uh, well, this is my 29th year as a cosmetologist and barber. So not yeah. only do I have embalmer experience, I also can elevate it because of my other experience. But that was one. And then I ended up doing an internship at a black funeral home. They kind of, halfway welcomed me Mm. and we got into it because i consider myself a um a no label lesbian uh, you know one of those kind of weirdos so (laughs) nothing weird about it (laughs) but i have a tendency to dress more masculine not always but most of the time and Mm. when i would attend and do funerals i wore pants First of all, it's Kansas, honey. It's cold, okay? Yeah. I was doing my internship in the winter. I'm talking, mm-hmm. you know, ankle-deep snow. And my boss was like, you need to wear dresses. He was like, we haven't progressed enough as a society for women to wear pants at a funeral service. Well, then this is our opportunity <laughs> to progress, sir, and let me wear my pants. I'm like, listen here. Uh, I'm very outspoken, and I told him, you know, and they said things like, you know, you need to show a little leg. I said, honey, if you want to see leg, I suggested you wear the dress, because I'm not doing it. Um, I'm not wearing heels to sink into the mud at a graveside service just for your viewing pleasure. You know what I mean? I'm here to bury people. What are we doing? So every, every turn, every corner of that business is extremely male dominated. It's extremely sexist. Um, I had a m- mentor. Okay, I- I'm just gonna give you a little bit of that because yeah. this is this is juicy stuff for book two. <laughs> I purposely left this out of the first book because mm-hmm. I am battling with myself about how to portray this. But I had a mentor 
who had um who would fall underneath the rainbow mm-hmm. and this gentleman is a married pretending to be heterosexual man goodness gracious and he kept asking me for um some very strange sexual favors in exchange for my a, a position for a job no ma'am yeah you know this is not the first time i've even heard of this i have Mm -hmm. a friend who is a comedian he's Mm. um in the texas area and we were in high school together he well i i suppose for the last year or so he only had to go to school half a day but part Mm -hmm. of the requirement was then you have to go get sort of an internship at a local place and mm-hmm. uh, I didn't know this at the time, but apparently he went and got a job at uh, a funeral home. Mm-hmm. And he has come forth in the past year with some pretty lecherous stories of the men who were running it. Uh, he, mm-hmm. um, the comedian friend that mm-hmm. I'm mentioning, he is LGBT as mm-hmm. well. And, yeah. you know, th- why? Why do you yeah. think that exists in that field? I'll tell you, while it exists everywhere, mm-hmm. but I feel like um, the reason is because, and I use this term all the time for us in the community, is that we are gatekeepers. Yeah. We are the keepers of secrets. I think that people look at us and when they know that we're a part of the community, there's an idea in the back of their heads that no matter how awful they are to us or how that solidarity gross, will exist. Yes, and that no matter what they say or do or try to do to us, that we're so scared of ourselves, we're so what beaten down, that we're going to just keep their secrets. Mm-hmm. You know, because some of us have. I yeah. mean, I, I grew up around, you know, gay bars, and the the straight acting men would come hang out in the back alley, you know, trying to catch somebody. Because, you know, they think, oh, I can come down here, sneak do what I want to do, you know? Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. those connotations sadly exist. And as our position as gatekeepers and who gets outed, who doesn't, you know, that's kind of on us who we choose to expose. Mm -hmm. And so I really, really want to expose this guy, but I have to find a way to do it legally. (laughs) Yep. I understand and respect that journey. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) So the first book is really great. It's very, I think, beautifully written. And there will be a part two as soon as I can get a hold of somebody to help me figure out how to do this the right way. While we're on that topic, where can um, listeners purchase your books? Absolutely. Everything that I do is on Amazon. And I know people have really strong feelings about Amazon, even myself. Um, So if you'd like a book, please feel free to reach out to me on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. I am author Starla Carr at Word Work the Poet. And Word Work is spelled weird because I'm that weirdo. So it's W E R D. Mm-hmm. W-E-R-K-D-A poet. Okay. But yeah, <laughs> you can find my links on Amazon. Um, I have my all of my book products there. But if you feel some type of way I have books, I'd be happy to send you one. And you can just cash at me or PayPal me or whatever. Yeah, it'd be yeah. much easier to go direct to source. And mm-hmm, yeah. then you're supporting the artist a lot more. Uh, again, yes. that is 
author Starla Carr. Uh, mm -hmm. Starla is S-T-A-R-L-A and Carr is C-A-R-R. That's it. Um, something else I wanted to get some more information about. You were talking Absolutely. about along the journey of your creative writing process. Mm -hmm. um, you have really gotten into the process of helping others produce their books. Can yes. you tell us about the process and the joy that you have found in helping oh. others get their words out there? Yes, because to be perfectly honest, I like helping other people more than I do myself to my own detriment. I'm I know on that. that. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, so what happened was, okay, let me give you the real tea. I had an ex. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I need to low down. You better I had tell. An ex and uh, she wanted me to, she's a uh, lesbian pastor. And she was like, can you help me write, take some of my sermons and put them into a book? And I was like, yeah, I could do that. So I did it. And then we mm. broke up. And so... <laughs> <laughs> but in the process of that, she started recommending me to people to ghostwrite their memoirs. And I was like, eh, you know, okay, like I have that skill. I'm an excellent storyteller. Like if you tell me anything, I'll make it beautiful. It is my gift. Um, so. And what a necessary gift. Yes, I think it is. Um, so people just started reaching out to me. This thing snowballed. And then I wrote a book for Miss uh, Venus. And her book is called My Other Side of Midnight. It's a two-part memoir. Um, it took us two years to write her memoir. She's got an incredible story. Mm -hmm. This woman is in almost in her 70s now. She's a black lesbian out of Atlanta. Her child was killed in the Atlanta child murders. Oh my I mean, God. she has an incredible life story that will make your jaw drop. It's got lots of sex in it. And we wrote that book, okay? Wow. We did wow. that. And then next thing I know, another person was like, can you help me? Can you help me? And I never tell, especially people in our community, no. And so wow. it was just one after the other. Um, I'd like to shout out um, Pastor Craig, Ambassador Craig in Texas, because she just, I just helped her finish her fifth book. Um, wow. two weeks ago and she's a lesbian pastor in Texas and so she writes about spirituality and um, sexuality and finding God and salvation and I mean it's just been a beautiful blossoming experience because you know what turned out is helping an ex mm -hmm. um, ended up being <laughs> a, a calling for you yeah like a part-time career for me and so now I tell anybody and everybody, if you ever wanted to tell your story, I am, and I, I'm going to go emotional right quick. Yeah, please. You're safe here. We have to tell our stories. Us in this community, we have to. It is not only helpful for us in our healing process, but we have to create a actual body of literature for the future. Yeah. I felt panicked when Maya Angelou passed. Yeah. I mean, like panicked in my gut. And I was like, oh my God, my favorite people are dying. I am a fan of the Harlem Renaissance era and those poets mm -hmm. and writers. And some of them are no longer with us. And I'm like, uh, Heffa, it's you. You got to do it. Like nobody else is going to do it. You got the skill. You need to write these stories. And yep. So I am very, very driven to help 
any marginalized person be able to tell their story. Yes. Because if we don't do it, nobody's doing, they're not checking for us, honey. They don't uh -huh. give a damn about us in the literary world. LGBT characters are still tokens, you know, yes. when it comes to material. Um, I'm thinking specifically in screenwriting that I yes. see, you know, if we're in a story, it is, it is to make it, it is so that the gay story can be told to the straight person and yes. then they can consume it comfortably. Yes. And it's not actually telling our stories often. No, it isn't. Mm -hmm. Oh, you're so right. I and applaud you, you need, for mm, doing that work. Honey, you don't want to get me started because I, I got a laundry <laughs> list of people on my hit list to be like, you assholes need to step up to the plate. And I'm sorry, but some of these dudes going to have to make way for us lesbians and us black folk. Because yeah. that, you know, with all the movements and everything going on across the world, it's like I was looking myself, having a conversation with somebody the other day who's a straight black man. Mm -hmm. And he was like, oh, I love a queer eye for the straight guy. And I'm like, yeah. So you love like, stereotypes. Yeah. And, I, and, and, and you, you know, we're just having this friendship. So I didn't go too hard on him. Mm -hmm. But I'm like, you know, us black lesbians, we have stories too. <laughs> we want a TV show too. Like we're funny. We're important. You know, but... It, it is what it is, Jesus. You know, mm -hmm. the sad fact is, is that progress is unfortunately never a straight line. Mm -hmm. You know, and yeah. we really do forget. And that is, I think, one of the things that you're talking about, why it is going to be so important to leave our stories. You know, with the yes. AIDS crisis of the 80s and 90s, um, mm -hmm. we had a whole generation of well, our our ancestors, you know, our mm -hmm. pioneers coming before us who did right. not get to not only finish their stories, let alone write them down, you right. know? You're um, right, you're mm -hmm. yeah. right. And so we forget so quickly. Um, thank you for doing that. Good oh, you're heavens. You're welcome. <laughs> it's my pleasure. <laughs> On that note, let's take just a quick break and we'll okay. be right back. Awesome. In this day and age, it's more important than ever to invest in our local economy. If you live in the U.S., or better yet, in Yakima, luckily you can do that while treating yourself to something sweet. Isn't it time you try a little different flavor? Picanica Candies is a Facebook shop specializing in the new Pika candy craze. They take your favorite candies, dried fruit, and even nuts and cover them in a homemade tangy lime coating. If you're ready to take it to the next level, you can ask them to season your candies with a kick of extra spice. Mm. Picanica creates candy packages, dessert kebabs, and candy tables for your special event needs. Make sure to like and follow Picanica Candies on Facebook. Message them directly to place orders or talk about custom packages. Stay spicy, Pika peeps. We are back with author, Mr. Lesbian, amazing human, Starla Carr. <laughs> <laughs> da, 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 superhero. <laughs> really though i think it's it's quite great uh we are going to move into um a section of our show called passions lately <gasps> oh it's very very quite simple 
Starla, what are you Ooh. obsessed with lately? Ooh, okay. So along with all the things that I do, I'm also a super nerd. Yes, tell me like, more. You know, like if Urkel had a baby with <laughs> a <laughs> with an astrophysicist, um, and they had like a voodoo priestess mama, mm -hmm. that would be like I, that's me. So anyway, um, I am fascinated with what's going on in the world lately. Mm -hmm. And with after the um, murder of Mr. Floyd, yep. I have been like on a quest to find out more information about black history. Mm -hmm. And the interesting thing is um, growing up as a little girl, my grandmother and my family were adamant that anybody and everybody in our family got an education. Mm -hmm. Like there was no way you were going to grow up without going to college, just period. So I got early education besides my school education on black history. Mm -hmm. And my grandma in the summertime who I lived with her most of my life would make me do book reports. And I hated it. I hated it, hated it. And instead, you know, before I could go outside to play, she'd be like, write me a page about whatever. Mm -hmm. And so I thought I had this vast knowledge, darling, mm -hmm. of everything black. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I knew it all. Yep. And come to find out, I have barely scratched the surface. And that has been a gut punch to me. Mm. So um, I am, I've been listening to like YouTube videos about history I've been having conversations with friends and I am like obsessed with black and brown history, which let me preface by saying, mm -hmm. or it's not prefacing because I should have said it first, <laughs> but you know, you know, let me just say that first of all, we are all black. So when people get offended by hearing black lives matter, we're all black. We are yeah. all lives. We none all of us have no color in our skin. None of us. Yeah. And I wish people would understand that because that will help to kind of pull us together because we have separated ourselves and we have divided ourselves and it's really stupid um, because we all come from a black woman in Africa, period. I don't care where you are on this planet. Yes, Your great, 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 great is a black woman. Yes, um, so I'm on this quest and I have been listening to um, the elders in the community. I've been listening to stories. I've been digging into boxes, trying to find hidden pieces and gems. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Let me tell you this. Yeah. Oh, this is so exciting. So, <laughs> so a couple of things that I learned so far, and like I said, I'm just scratching the surface, is that a lot of the history that has been stolen from us is extremely gay. Really? It is extremely gay. Mm -hmm. And I am so angry every time I stumble upon something, like why didn't they teach us this in school? Because the original tribes and Aboriginal people used to 
revere and elevate people who were transgender, yes, who were queer. They and were considered they were too spirited and yes. um, closer to source. Mm -hmm. Leaders, yep. leaders, yep. you know. And if anybody would dare, because I the ministry is another thing I do. If anybody would dare read the scriptures that were taken out of the Bible, you'll see talking there about masculine women and things like that. And I just, I feel like patriarchal and, and straight heterosexual fear mm -hmm. has hidden all of the good stuff from yeah. us. And so, you know, that, that's my passion right now. Yeah. And, and I hope to very soon start. I don't want to, because I like to talk, as you can tell. <laughs> I don't want to bombard great. people with my nerdy thoughts. But I, I've decided that I'm going to start doing little mini educational things, like little short 10-minute videos to educate people. Because when I find out stuff, I want to share it. I want other people to know, mm -hmm. um, to empower us. So, yeah, that's my latest um, passion. There's a huge need for that right now. You know, uh, don't wear yourself thin by making yourself the resource for people. You know, right, right. People still need to go out and do the work, you know, yes. um, mm -hmm. uh, educating themselves. But right. I, I know that that would be a very welcome thing right now in the climate that's happening online. Yeah. Yay. Um, <laughs> something I'm passionate about lately, you were mentioning yes. that you are nerdy. Um, mm -hmm. there is a pretty crazy show, uh, that is on Netflix now it's called okay. Midnight Gospel. And it Ooh, is, okay. uh, something that I think that you and hopefully our listeners would actually really enjoy. It is, mm -hmm. um, this guy, his name is Duncan Trussell and he has a okay. podcast that he's done. What he has okay. now done with the podcast is he's taken it and turned it into a cartoon. And ah. the juxtaposition between the story that's happening with the cartoon and then whatever episode of his podcast gets sort of put in there with it. Uh, okay. Very often they have very little to do with each other at first. You know, mm -hmm. um, I just watched an episode last night that was all about magic, you know, and Ooh. you know the process of actually using magic. It was from the perspective of this man who had gone to jail, but you know, he was like, I was never really in prison because I was still there practicing magic inside my head. I was free. Mm. It's mm -hmm. um, just a very fascinating show. Um, very colorful, very psychedelic. Mm -hmm. If you're into that type of art, I would mm -hmm. highly recommend checking out Midnight Gospel on Netflix. Cool. Thank you for that. Absolutely. Do you have any social media or anything else that you would like to promote? I know that you mentioned your stuff before, but if there's any other shout outs mm -hmm. or ways that people yes. can connect with you. Absolutely. Um, the, the last couple books, um, I'll just run down the list. There's yes. a book I compiled with my community of faith. It is called Christian Terrorism. Everybody that calls themselves a Christian should read that book. Wow. Um, there's another book, um, which was my first ever poetry book. It's called Who Molested My Elephant? 
Yep. I was looking into that one yesterday. (laughs) Yeah. I was looking into that one yesterday. And when I saw the cover, I turned to my partner and I said, we're getting her on the show. Yes. (laughs) That is an excellent. My poetry does not read like poetry. My poetry is full of images. Mm. So for people who don't like to read poetry, you want these books Mm -hmm. because it is not about the rhyme, the rhythm, the cadence. It is more about the images that it portrays. And when you read, you will see Mm -hmm. these images. So who molested my elephant is about people taking advantage of people just because they want what they have, just like poachers go for elephants, um, ivory, that's why that's that but anyway then i wrote this little book that i am extremely proud of called is god a she mm-hmm. um for christian listeners don't flip out because i've had that reaction too. i'm like just read the book it's mm-hmm. a question you know is god a she once again full of beautiful images um about women and about what the image of God is. Mm -hmm. And we know that God is not some old white dude with long scraggly beard sitting in the clouds. And for black women, it's very hard for us to identify with a blonde haired, blue eyed Jesus and a God that looks like people portray him to. Mm -hmm. So my effort is to empower us all to open our minds that God is expansive and God is not just one dimensional Yep. And God is spirit, both male and female. And so more. that's that. Yeah, all that. Um, and then, of course, my latest, Embalmed. I have three novels coming out very soon. Woo! Um, yes. One is called She's Knows Angel. It is a lesbian thriller where the main black lesbian kills people. Yes, I did it. Whoa. Whoa, whoa, <laughs> yes, whoa, I did whoa, it. whoa. Because we can be serial killers too. I'm just saying. Yes, um, <laughs> of course, it's fictional. That's so um, funny. And then I am writing a series called Sapphic Island. And Sapphic Island is a beautiful written story about women coming together for healing and love and a lot of fun, fun, messy drama. Nice. Um, so all of these things you can find on my author page at Author Star Lacar. Like I said, I encourage people to follow me on the Amazon author link because when the new books come out, then you can just find them real easy on Amazon. And um, and once again, if you if you don't want to deal with Amazon, that's perfectly okay with me. You can just inbox me, and honey, I have a mail. Uh, lady up the street and we're really good friends and at this um, you know the postal company people so I can literally run three blocks up the street and mail you a copy of your book and autograph sign it for you and give you some cute little knickknacks in the process and you're gonna love it so yes author Starla card reach out to me I'm very approachable I'm very um, quick to get back to people I will speak to that she's very fast yeah Yeah, I'm like, let's do it right now. I know, I loved it. (laughs) And then, Starla, the final question for the pod today. What's the most recent thing that's happened to you that's made you purely happy? (sighs) Yesterday. Mm -hmm. Yesterday, one of my very good friends 
called me um and i i i don't like to answer people on when you call me on messenger because mm-hmm. <laughs> sometimes i don't always have appropriate clothing on <laughs> yes ma'am so she called me on messenger and i'm sitting in my little tank top you know in my chair and she is bawling and i'm like oh my god friend what's wrong what's wrong and she held she holds up a copy of my book and she is just, I'm so proud of you. And I was like, you don't know how much that means to me because as a black queer woman, I don't get a lot of I'm proud of you's in my life. Mm-hmm. I have people that like what I do. I have people that enjoy my books, but people don't come to me and say, I am proud of you. And so, of course, I'm I'm crying because this is my friend. And yeah. she's like, I can't wait to read the book. And so, yes, just pure happiness, pure joy, pure gratefulness mm-hmm. to have an amazing group of people that love me unconditionally, no matter how ridiculous I am, and, <laughs> and yeah. still see some value in me. And I just, I'm so thankful. I am so thankful. And um, yeah, it was, it was pretty great. <laughs> well, <laughs> I am very proud. And thank you so much for joining me on Eye to Eye today, Starla Carr. Thank you. Um, I appreciate it. No problem. And thank you listeners for being here with us. Now go outside. We'll be here when you get back. This episode of Eye to Eye was edited by Dylan Newman and the theme song written and performed by Emily Easley. Make sure to rate and subscribe at Apple Podcasts or wherever you enjoy podcasts today. It's me, author Starla Carr, here giving you an inside peek of my new book entitled Embalmed, about my life as a uh, death care professional. So I'm just going to read a short passage from the book and tell you that I have books available. They are available on Amazon, and um, I have books at my home, and if you order from me personally, then you get book swag too. So you can get a pen or a candle or something cool like that. So this um, is chapter four of my book, Embalmed. It's called Welcoming the Guest. Starts with a poem. I pray you remain breathless because you won't need breath to give praise. And then it begins. I prefer to enter the funeral home at the back entrance. I may have only been an intern, but it gave me great gratification to park by the shiny polished hearse because it meant that I belong there. I said that I was doing the work that embalmers do. I wasn't a spectator to death, but a part of the transitional process to another world, to meeting God, or whatever great adventure awaits on the other side. My mentor often laughed at my extra careful touch handling the deceased. You know, they can't feel it right, he asked me once, when I was gently bending the rigor out of the hands of an older man. I lifted his ashen hand and cut my hand underneath his elbow gently. As I flexed his fingers forward and backward, it made popping noises that echoed off the tile walls of the room. In a gentle whisper, I apologized to him for any discomfort just in case his spirit was close by.
The entire embalming process usually doesn't take longer than a few hours. Amid the washing away of the stench of death and refreshing it with fluids, I find the removal of medical devices most satisfying. I was alone one day in the preparation room with a woman who had recently transitioned. I pulled down the sheet to find her still in a hospital gown, sticky pads attached to her, and a breathing tube taped to the sides of her face. I apologized to her out loud for the hospital leaving her in that awful state. I thought her body must have felt better with the apparatuses gone and washed her face clean. No more of that pain business would bother her. There would be no need for strangers to intrude on her as they poked and prodded her with treatments. I welcomed it for her. Not as a darkened figure holding chain in his bony hands, but as a friend who missed her terribly. The young and old come and go through the preparation room. They are my guests who stay only for a few days or even a week. They are the most polite company who never talk back or complain that the coffee is too strong or the bed is too hard. They come bearing gifts of stories that my imagination pieces together. Their bodies tell stories better than the best literature ever written. Mansions are waiting for them, and other loved ones are waiting to greet them. They are on their way to knowing ancient secrets and universal truths. Most of all, I want them to be enveloped with God's love for us all in divine glory. I want them to fall at the br brilliance of a deity, of a black god radiating with blue light. I pray that they remain breathless because they won't need that body that I've carefully preserved to touch the wings of an angel or to be transported back to the grieving still left behind. My guests are so gracious. They give me purpose. They give me stories. But most importantly, they allow me to use God's gifts. That is chapter four of my book, Embalmed. It is available right now on Amazon. And like I said, I have copies if you'd like to order from me. And you get free book swag if you order from me directly. Um, I think each and every visitor that stops by my page, I'm working hard to produce new content. I have three new, very juicy, very exciting novels coming very soon. So stay tuned right here on uh, Author Starla Carr at Word Work the Poet. And I look forward to chatting with y'all again soon. Have a really great day. Bye. Hello, my name's Danny and welcome to Two Lads Talking, the weekly podcast where we rank a different subject each week from the worst to the best. We have Nate. Hello. And we have Zach. Hello. Get a brew, chill out tonight and do the sucky penguin. <laughs> no, oh, got really warm. <laughs> <laughs> me too, now I've got me fan out. <laughs> Listen to us battle it out with subjects ranging from biscuits to zoo animals. I love the part of Nelson Mandela. Where are you from? <laughs> oh. <laughs> Check us out every Thursday on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Yeah, I, I don't think you understand, Dan. I lost my pants. Two lads talking. Hang on a minute. There's three of us.